good. We were out last week doing a little vacation action and missed everyone so much. And uh, it's that time of year, everybody's kind of coming and going, and it's just great to see you guys. I'm excited just about this series. I, I believe it's just one that's just can be extremely transformational in our lives if we'll allow it. Uh, and it's, but it's one that you have to invest yourself in. I think all, all teachings and truths of Scripture are things that we ought to just invest ourselves in and allow God to teach us what it really means to embody these principles and live them out. And so um, I, I get to spend just a lot of time with uh, my family, which I, I always try to spend a lot of time with my family, but being on vacation, you, you're just like 24-7 um, with them, uh, which was amazing. I just loved it so much. And we, we did a lot of beach action and some pool action, which was really fun. Got a decent little tan here. And um, I, I realized something in my son that took me back to how I was a, as a kid. And I was very reflective over just my personality as a child and now what I see in, in my son. And, and particularly that I was a little bit of a scaredy cat for a long time. Was anybody else the scaredy cat? No one will admit that. Okay, there's like three of you that will admit it. Okay, I like to see the nice brawny men that are, that are uh, <laughs> admitting it uh, with me. Um, yeah, I, I was a little bit of the scary cat. I was the one in, in the group that was like, I think I had a, a really heightened sense of death that like, this could kill us, guys. Like, we should, <laughs> we should not do it. And I always pulled it off like I was just smarter than everybody else, but really I was just scared. Um, but I, maybe it was just a heightened sense of, of death, uh, maybe. I, I don't know. But my brother was the opposite. Like, he was willing to do anything. Um, and now it's funny that, that God's just changed that so much in me. But it's funny. I'm kind of seeing some of those things in my son now. I'm seeing that he's like crazy OCD, which is I'm, I feel like I'm responsible for. Like, he'll get out of the pool in order to remove a leaf from the concrete. <laughs> throw it outside of the fence, like that's how OCD he is, and, he, and he's very scared, like I'm in the pool, and I'm like, son, jump in, like I'm here, you have, well, we can't get floaties on him, he, he's, he won't even go near that, but like he, I'm, my hands are right here, and he won't even jump in, I have to like literally grab him and, and pull him in, he loves the pool, but just, he's scared, and I feel like I, maybe I've put that in him, maybe that's just his personality, I don't know, but it's, it's funny how much God has transformed that part of my life. Um, in just a very drastic ways. I mean, you don't leave a, a house and a job and um, a paycheck and just a great worship community and, and Christian community that we had where we were before and go out to plant a church unless you're either stupid or have a lot of faith. And so I like to think it was the latter, but uh, right after we had announced that we were going to do this, we uh, were out to lunch one day and I had a, a neighboring pastor say, son, have you hit your head? and decided to do this. Have you, have you lost your mind? And I, I was really like taken aback. I kind of giggled, but I kind of scratched my head. Like, shouldn't you be like encouraging me? Isn't like this a good thing? But he had a different view of it, which is uh, another time and another day. But God has transformed this in, in that people early on when we were going out to, to plant, people were like, are you afraid? Like, what are you scared of most? And this was not what my wife wanted to hear. Um, most of the time, because there was a lot of fears that, that she was battling with, and I had my share of them, but I was not really scared. I was not really scared. All the passion for what God had put in my heart was just overwhelming all of that fear, and, and I know she, it just brought her to uh, that same place, but it was kind of first there with me that the, the, that the fear was not there, the passion to overcome it. And so I, I think it, it's so fitting as we talk about Sabbath, as we're just waiting our way into the waters of this deep, deep principle of Sabbath, uh, I, I want to go even further and talk about the idea of trust, because I think all of us are a little bit like my son, 
that we, we like the idea of jumping in the water, but it's just more comfortable standing on the sidewalk, and we'd rather someone drag us in if we're really going to be people of faith. And it's, it's funny that as Christians, the, the core element of our faith is faith, but in fact, we have trouble living as people of faith many times. And so I want to go to the scriptures here in just a minute. I think we're going to find something that that, that the Israelites had just been delivered out of slavery, and I think we're going to find a lot of similarities in our issues with trusting God and really trusting Him um, that they find in Exodus chapter 16. And so let's go there. And we're literally, I do this sometimes, I'll literally work through an entire chapter, and so I try to like expedite the process, but we will read the entire chapter of Exodus 16 today. Um, I, I, I know you're not as scared as when I said, hey, we're going to read the whole book today. I've done that before too. We'll go through the entire book. I know that scares some of you. Um, so we'll start here at verse 2 and we'll work all the way through verse 35 and just kind of pick out some elements here. And just to recap what's happened in the life of Israel, we, we've been talking about is that God was the first to model Sabbath in the creation narrative that we find in Genesis chapter 2, that on the seventh day, God rested. He modeled Sabbath, that uh, he would cease, he would stop, he would rest. He, we see it modeled that, and then the next time we see Sabbath talked about is here in this text, and it's before the Ten Commandments are given in Exodus chapter 20, in which the fourth one, uh, the fourth commandment is to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. So when we say it's holy, we mean that it's set apart anything that God does is holy because he in his very nature is holy. And so that's what we're kind of bringing into this context. But um, so far, like, Israel has just been delivered from hundreds of years of slavery to, in, in Egypt. And so they've come out of, like, them and their, their, their parents and their parents' parents have all been slaves. Like, none of you know what that's like. None of you have ever been slaves, from what I understand, um, about America, if most of you are from here, you haven't lived in slavery, but I think we've lived in our own types of slavery. We've lived in slavery, slavery to our job, slavery to, um, to you name it, to our addictions, um, slavery to stuff, to toys, slavery to you name it. We've all got our, our life of slavery, I think, before Christ, and so living in freedom is a whole new world for us. And what God's going to begin to do here in the life of Israel is develop a relationship of trust. So if you get sick and you start puking, I say something that grosses you out, which I shouldn't. And you get sick or something, you leave, I want you to get this one thing that like at the core principle and heart of what Sabbath is about, is about trust. And the core element of what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ and a friend of God is to know what it means to trust in him. And some of us, you can even look back. I, I talked about the faith that I had, just overcoming the fear. You can look back on your life, maybe three months ago, maybe a year ago, and I would hope that you have more faith now than you did then. But some of us, this must be a, might be a reality check to look back three months, six months, a year, two years, ten years, however long you've been walking with Christ, and see the difference in the faith that's grown in your walk with Christ, and, or hasn't, and it would be a challenge. So let's jump in here, Exodus chapter 16. They've been delivered. The Red Sea has just parted. Uh, they've passed through it. And now they're, they're about a month out walking in the wilderness, kind of doing things on their own. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. 
okay, they're slaves. First of all, they're complaining because they're hungry. Have you guys seen these reality shows like where they go out like naked and afraid or Survivor Man? Not the ones that are really trained, but the ones that it's like regular people that go out and do this. And everybody's like, yeah, this is going to be amazing. And then three days in, they're like, this is not so amazing. Like, I would, I would rather be in a hotel somewhere back at home. I miss the grocery store really bad. Um, and we kind of get into this. And so they're kind of grumbling and complaining. They've only been there for like a month and already they're complaining. And listen to what they're saying. Like, if only we had died in slavery. Like, that sounds better to them than, than where they're at right now in freedom. And I think some of us will kind of see this in our own life in our walk with Christ, that maybe we've been freed from kind of a life of slavery to addiction or pride or wanting what everybody else has or or you name it. We've been delivered from that, but now we look back on that like, man, it would just be easier if I went back to that. I wish I would have just died in that. And sometimes I think some of us have had these kind of thoughts, and they're kind of idealizing how everything is. Like, remember we sat around all those pots of meat, and like things were amazing as slaves. Like, they're kind of idealizing. Um, Let's skip that word. You fill in the blank. That's one of those fill in the blanks for the message. Um, They're kind of dreaming about what wasn't there. It's the whole grass is greener. We kind of do this all the time in their life. If only I had that job. If only I had that um, man or woman. Or if only I, I lived in this city. Or if only I had this. If only, if only, if only, if only. Your brains, your thoughts are filled with them. Mine is too. We constantly are saying this and we're so much like them. If only. And I think the first thing that we've got to know about Sabbath is Sabbath is going to develop a real sense of trust in God. A real sense of trust. Like it, it, when you learn to stop, and it's not about what you can do, but you really just learn to stop, it's going to develop trust in God. That's what it's all about. And know that like what you have right now and trust in God should be the smallest amount of trust in God you ever have for the rest of your life. But sometimes we're so, we're so we waver so much by things that happen, and we'll go back and forth. But, but constantly just moving forward and developing that trust. And when we learn to stop, it's going to develop real trust in us. Even when we want to complain about everything, we trust in God. That, okay, he did that for me? Like all those plagues and like we escaped from those plagues? All that parting of the Red Sea? Or maybe it was, well, that time we were short on our bills and somehow God made it work out. Or that one time I, I, I was out of a job for six months, but then God showed up just at the right time. We look back and we thank God for those things that happen. It helps us to move forward. So the first thing is that it's going to develop trust in our life. And that's like the core element of what it means to be a believer. That's the core thing of what it means to be a believer is a life of dependence on God. But we're American, right? We're all independent and such. We're looking for independent men and independent women. But like, hey, like as a Christian, like that gets checked at the door. It really does, and we learn what it means to be completely dependent on God. And I would say as believers, by and large, we know very little about what it means to be totally dependent on God. We're pretty good at being partially dependent. We're we're dependent in this hour of our week. We're dependent when things are really bad. But are we dependent when things are really good? Are we dependent when we're not even doing anything? Like, we're not working, but we trust and we know that God is working on our behalf and working things to our good because we love him. 
Do we have that kind of faith? Do we have that kind of trust? And I think most of us, if we're really honest, we, we, don't, we like to venture, we like to stay out and wait till he touches and pulls us into the water. We're not willing to step out and take a walk onto the water. So let's continue reading because we've got a long way to go. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Sounds crazy. Sounds like God's like opening a Panera bread in the middle of of the desert. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. Like Panera is free. Like go get what you want. Like I was just talking to someone um, before service and saying how much like I love. I like one of my dreams is to live upstairs of a bakery. And so I could just go downstairs and eat whatever I want all the time. And we were joking how that would not be great for um, uh, me trying to lose weight. Um, But it it would have this great kind of free food idea that sounds amazing. So they're to go out each day and gather enough for that day. Think about some of the people that live on the the street. And I know you're like me. I imagine you have a soft spot for them as well. Some of us may be hardened and be like, well, they just spend it on booze or whatever. But don't you often, do you ever think like what they live on per day is, is so small? I'm going to sh- we'll show a video a little later on of an organization, People for Care and Learning in Cambodia, an organization I visited earlier this year that we support as a church. And the people there live on 40 cents to a dollar a day. And so this idea of living day to day is something that maybe in American culture, even the poor of a, poorest of us in the room don't quite grasp because we have a home to go to. We eat, um, but they, they kind of live with this on a daily basis. So he's saying enough just for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. I think the second thing that we can learn uh, about this about this idea of Sabbath and how it, it rolls into our, our trust is that our trust is going to be tested. Like he's going to develop it and he's going to test it. So that, I think it's the second thing here is that our trust is going to be tested. I mean, how many of you guys would want to take off and jump on a bridge that's never been tested, right? You would rather ride on one that's been tested before. You don't, there's a reason why they call it test dummies, right? There's a reason why they call it. I remember um, back when I was a teenager, we went white water rafting. Anybody like doing that? I love it. I think it's very fun, even though I was a little bit of a scaredy cat. I love it. So, but being a little bit on the safe side, I was looking, because you went out there, and I think there was like a large group, youth group, and there was all these different guides, and all their boats are like sitting on the edge of the river up at the Ocoee, I think is where we were in Tennessee. And so I ended up going to college very close by, and so I learned at that point that it was all these college students that would do it, but there was this one dude that, like, he was seasoned. I mean, he had the beard. He sort of looked like I would think Moses looked like, Uh, and I think his name was, I think they called him Crazy Dave or something. Crazy Dave, and, like, for some reason, I believed in Crazy Dave more than anybody else, because it looked like he'd been surviving out in the wilderness, so I just kind of hedged my bets on Crazy Dave and said, I'm going to go with Crazy Dave, because he looks like he could survive if, like, something happened. So we get, get on the boat, and certainly he was tested and tried. And, like, I remember there was, like, a, a daddy long legs, which aren't, like, the most dangerous spiders, but they're super creepy looking, especially for a bunch of teenage girls who started screaming on our boat, um, especially even more so after he grabbed the daddy long legs and ate it. Like, Crazy Dave was indeed tested and tried on the river. Like, he was somebody you could try. 
And we've got to know this about our faith, that God is wanting to establish his kingdom on this earth as it is in heaven. He's wanting to do something, build something on you. He's wanting to build something in your family and on your street and in your workplace through you. And that trust needs to be tested before he can build anything on you. You'd want them to test, you want to test drive your car. We understand testing, but when it comes to testing us, like, no, don't test me. I think spiritually, we ought to thank God for these things because what one of the scriptures say is that it develops a perseverance, it develops an endurance, and through that develops character. That we get better as time goes on. We're developing trust and it's being tested all the while. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. He hasn't said anything about Sabbath yet, but he's setting them up. I'm not going to leave you without on Sabbath when you don't work. I'm actually going to provide more ahead of time. And you'll just get to gather more so that on Sunday, or at this time, Saturday, you can just chill out. You can just relax. So you've got to love that about what God's doing here. But for people who have been slaves in their programs to go out and work every single day, it's a lot to tell them to stop. They're going to wake up and get more. For those that are living day to day, it's scary. It's scary, and it's a lot to stop, especially those of us in the house maybe that are commission-based, that you don't make money unless you are working. Uh, Even those of you that are salary-based, your money is still coming in, but there's this constant on-the-call nature of your life. And and it's hard to say no, isn't it? I mean, it's hard to stop. It's hard to observe Sabbath. Those moms and dads in the room, it's hard to stop. It's hard to find that rest. And I think we have to be creative. We have to be wise. We have to be disciplined about trusting God in our rest on the sixth day there to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Let's continue. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening, evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. There is this trust that's going to develop in God. You are going to know that it was God who did it. It wasn't some scientific happening. It was was God that had made it happen. Verse 7. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. I know sometimes it feels like he never hears us. You know, you ever feel like that? God, I've been praying this prayer for a year, for two years. I didn't feel like you were hearing me. Even you're grumbling like he hears. Even you're complaining like he's not offended. I don't think it's always the best route for us, but he's listening to it. 70% of the Psalms are, are filled with lament or complaining. Like, but there's always in all those Psalms, there's a but moment where everything changes God, I feel this way, but you are sovereign. Your mercy endures forever. You're going to come through. You name it. And it's just incredible uh, how God does. Who are we that you should grumble against us? This is Moses and Aaron talking here. Moses also said, you'll know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning. So meat in the evening, bread in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You were not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. They're like, hey, don't kill the messenger. Like, this isn't like bad leadership here that I brought you out here, but God is doing something in your life. Like, you ever get like that? Like, you 
look at everybody else and you're like, man, if they, if only they, if only they, if only they, and really he's like, if you're complaining against us, you need to complain against the Lord. Like, like you need to bring that to him at this time. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord for he's heard your grumbling. Continue. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. If you want a description of what that looks like, I don't know. Um, The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. I mean, for people who have been hungry, like all their rations have run out and tell them you will be filled, like the idea of being full is like a faint, distant memory of what that even feels like, then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, continue. That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw this, they said to each other, what is it? <laughs> they didn't even know. For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer, which is like two liters, for each person you have in your tent. I think the third thing that that this idea of Sabbath will teach us about trusting God, is Sabbath, stopping resting, will give God an opportunity to prove himself to you. To prove that he can do it. Until you stop doing it with your own hands, you'll never know that God can do it. Until you learn to stop and rest in, in his, what is supernatural, you'll just continue in the natural. Allow God to prove himself to you. I remember uh, about five or six years ago, we were, my wife and I were in Peru, and we got this incredible experience down on the coast, something I never thought I'd see in Peru. I think it was this place called Paracas, not Caracas, Venezuela, it sounds like it, but I think it's Paracas, and it was this boat trip. It was about an hour out on a boat, and was, so I guess that's like 20, 25 miles, 30 miles. So we go out, and we don't really know much about this place. It just sounds cool. You know, we've been working hard on different things, and we're getting this boat trip. So we go out there about an hour, and we come up on these little islands that look like little mountains, like large hills that are just stone and rock, kind of strange. And we ask, like, okay, what's this going on? Why is that mountain black, and why is that mountain white? And we're just kind of wondering what it is. And like, well, what you're coming to now is called Dung Island in Spanish. It's called Dung Island And that, we're looking at from a distance, that one that's black is covered in birds. Those are birds. The mountain's not actually black. Those are birds. And that one that's white, that's actually dung. Like, that's actually bird poop covered all over that mountain. They said within a square mile, there was one million birds that lived in this area. Like, like if you are afraid of birds, that's not the boat ride you want to be on because there's a lot of them. Like it could be your worst nightmare. So we pull up and there's like walruses and like sea lions and penguins. Like we're like penguins in Peru, like in the middle, like of like uh, right off the co- Are you serious? There's penguins out here. It was like the coolest like trip ever. But you see this idea of these birds covering these mountains. That's kind of what comes to mind when I look at this text that the quail covered the earth, if you'll go back to that, and we see that God is providing that, and God wants to prove himself to you. And sometimes we're, we're looking 
in all the ways that we can do, and we're not submitting to the things that he can do. We're looking for all the things that we can do, and we're not submitting and thanking God for the things that he can do. And that's, I think, what it means to really trust in him and and to understand Sabbath is knowing that when you trust him and you stop, that God can do more with that than what you do in your six days, or, or he'll expand what you can do in those six days to be seven days or more. I've found that when I observe Sabbath, I'm more productive throughout the week. I find that um, God has allowed me, to, uh, to, it allows God to prove himself, truly. So this is what the Lord commanded. Everyone's to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. Let's continue verse 17. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much for their tents and some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much and the one who gathered, too, gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. We have a real kind of problem with need and want, like everything is I, I want, you know, but really we, we think of the wants as needs. And I think that's an American thing we have to, to throw out the table in order just to begin to rest and find contentment in what God has given us. And like we're always looking, if only I had that toy, if only I had that house, if only I had that car. And I think there's just a real sense of contentment that comes with being a believer in Jesus Christ that knowing that he will give us everything we need um, as we go forward. Verse 19. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it till morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it till morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Like, this sounds like something that I can just see so vividly happening. Like, how many of you would be the ones who are, like, going to save some for tomorrow? Like, everybody raise your hand. <laughs> like, that would be all of us. You're like, yeah, um, thanks, God, but I'm going to go ahead and keep some here until the next day, and it shows up, and it's full of maggots. Like, okay, I won't do that again. And so that's what we see in their life. They won't do that again because they learn that. But God is wanting to establish something in their life. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. I'll tell you, let me tell you something about Sabbath that's happened in my life personally. And something that I believe that, that God is instilling in people who have come out of slavery. Because we're very easy to trust God in a moment. But I think what Sabbath does is it establishes and helps us establish a, a real relational routine with God. A real relational routine that every week I'm reminded whatever's happened, I'm going to stop and then it helps me kind of get my week in cycle. And when that never stops, you live as a slave, always working, always doing what you can manage and what you can make happen. And this idea that God is instilling in the people of Israel, I think is the same thing he's wanting to instill in us. If we'll just learn to stop and trust him. And, and know that it, it, it's going to help us get this routine with God. That's something I've struggled with, and I know many of you probably have too. Like, I have these moments with God, but, but I've never had a great routine, you know? I have a routine with, with my family. Like, we kind of go through, especially those of you that have kids or small children, you probably get this. Like, all of us have a routine of your life. Like, for us, it's like we eat. We wait for a few minutes, let them get all the energy, the madness going on the house. Okay, now we're going to go up. She's going to put Camden in the bath, and after she's getting him out, I'm going to bring Beckett up. He's going to, and then she's going to take Camden. And I'm going to say, we have this routine to our relationship. We have a routine where we do date nights, which 
we need a babysitter Friday night. If anybody wants to help us out. No, I'm um, just kidding. That was so shameless. Um, uh, or shameful. We'll call it shameful. Um, uh, but we have this routine in our relational life. And like many of us, we don't have a routine with God. Like it's no wonder our relationship stinks. We have no routine with him. He's never a priority in our lives. And I think this is something for me as I've learned to establish Sabbath, the rest of my week has developed a much better routine. I'm able to stay in a routine with God that I, I know I, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to have my time with the Lord. And, and after lunch, I'm going to have some more time with him and dive back into the scriptures. I, I know what my routine is looking like. And some of you that have, you might even push away with like, oh man, a relationship with God is not really like that. No, it doesn't have to be. But like certainly I think God is wanting us to not just visit him on the weekends. You know, he's wanting a daily relationship and it's an everyday thing to trust God, not just once a, a, you know, a couple of years to you know, raise money for a, a mission trip or uh, once on the weekend for an hour. Like, God wants it all. And like, that's what he's developing. Like, I've, I've set you free, and if you're going to stay free, you need to learn to trust me. If you're going to stay free, and that's God's heart here. He's, he, this is why it comes before the commandments. He didn't even say Sabbath. He's like, look, I'm going to give you extra the day before great for Sabbath. And that's the only day that maggots didn't develop. Let's go back. I think we're in verse 22. We'll finish this up. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two emirs for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. Moses probably like, finally, good news. Like, are you complaining now? Are you complaining now that everybody's fed? God's provided. Like, can't you see this? He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever's left and keep it till morning. They're like, are you sure like it's not going to have maggots on it? Because like last time we did this, we didn't listen and it had maggots on it. Are you sure that's not going to happen? At least that's what I would be saying here. So they saved it until morning. As Moses commanded, it didn't stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. And, and many of us, like, we'll, we'll like push away from that and we'll show up like these do six days you're to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Let's go ahead and finish out this chapter here. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. He's given it, given it to you. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone's to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one's to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It, it, which means, what is it? They don't know what it is, so they just call it manna. Um, it was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come. Listen to this. Keep it for the generations to come. So they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar, put an omer of manna in it. Then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant law so that it might be preserved. 
the Israelites ate manna 40 years. 40 years they, they lived with free Panera until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan, the promised land. And Omer is one-tenth of, of an Ephath. I think this is something huge that, that is left here. And I, I think that what is said here about Sabbath is that it's going to be a reminder. It's going to be a constant reminder that our freedom and our provision comes from God alone. That our freedom and our provision comes from God alone. Because if you're anything like me, I'll, I'll give it a shot on my own. I'll start working, I'll think that it came from me. I'll start working on something, and I think that, oh, now this addiction that I've been, been trying to break, oh, now I'm really breaking it. I'm really doing it. Look at me. I'll really start to think like that. I'll really start providing for myself. and like, look, I made that happen. It, it'll be a reminder, a constant reminder that you can't get away from every week that you not only stop and you rest, but you delight and you contemplate in the fact that God is, is, is the reason you're not living in slavery anymore. That he's the one that provided for you when you were complaining. He heard, he heard you. And he provided something sweet on the morning and something filling in the evening. I think there's a lot to that too. I think there's a lot to the idea of there's something sweet in the morning like bread and something sustenant for the darkest of nights. I love that idea of that. I just get to, if you just think about that, I love I get to wake up with just like the sweetness of the mercy and grace of God and I go to bed with just the fullness of his joy, the fullness of his goodness and his salvation that sustained me. And I'm not perfect. I mean, I claim just all the time that like I come very humbly on the idea of Sabbath because as any of us, like we, we're just prone to keep going. Some of us are just, think we're energizer bunnies, but it's a discipline of reju- rejuvenation that God has given us. He's given it. It's for us and it's, it's for him. God is developing a real trust in our lives and you can better believe it's going to be tested. And It's for our good that it gets tested. It's developing character. He wants to prove himself to us. Like, and, and it's funny that this has to do with like provision and like physical sustenance. Like we don't live in that realm. But God wants to prove himself in your life and like but most of the time, like, we won't, we won't even get a shot at it. Like, we're just afraid. Like, we haven't done anything to allow God to even prove himself. Certainly, God, I, I believe this helps us get into routine. I've seen this in my own life just every week. It's a reminder. It's, he's the reason of my freedom. He's the reason I'm not locked up in, in slavery. And there was times early in my walk where I was like, man, I, if only, if only I would have just died in that. But man, I'm just taken aback by just the goodness of a God that says, dude, take the day off. Like, you don't deserve it, but, but my son Jesus has made a way, and he's made you look righteous, perfect through his blood. He's made a way. I want to ask you to stand with me today. These guys are going to lead us in a song that's just about the, the blood of Christ. It's an old song, and I certainly, it's one of my favorites. And I just pray that this would just be a deeply spiritual time for you.
whatever those areas in your life that you're having trouble trusting. Maybe it's just stopping, learning to stop and trust in God wholly. I just pray that right now in this very moment, you would just take a deep breath in and take a deep breath out. And with it would go just the worry of what, how God's going to provide or, or what's going to happen in the future. Any complaining, you might just let it out in this moment. And just know that there's a God that loves you that's got something sweet for you when you wake up and something sustenant for your stomach when you go to sleep and in the darkest of nights. Let's pray and worship together. God, we thank you. I thank you for this moment in time in which I would venture to say that all of us in this room need the life-giving nature of your word in our life right now, God, of what it means to trust in you. God, and it's scary. God, I get it. It's scary sometimes. But God, I, would pr- I pray that some kind of faith just because we've seen you do it before, God, we would allow you to prove yourself. We would stop praying the tiny little prayers and, and be willing to pray the big prayers so that you can prove yourself. And God, we'd shake off just the routine of trying to prove ourselves and allow you to prove yourself through our obedience. Help us to rest in you, Jesus. Help us to stop. Help us to delight, to contemplate these deepest of things in our lives. We give you praise for it. Let's worship together.